Here's Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from His fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw that what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He relented and did not bring on them the destruction He had threatened. Let's pray once more before we dive in. God, we've heard Your Word read aloud. I pray that as we come to hear from You today, that we would be ready to listen with open ears, open minds, open hearts, to hear from You today. May Your words be spoken, and only Yours. And help us to follow You in all things, to trust You in all things, even when it's difficult to trust You and to follow You. God, thank You for each here, each ear that is listening. I pray that our hearts would be ready. And may Your Spirit be in this place. And we're ready to see what the Spirit's going to do. In Jesus' name, Amen. You see the title there, it's No Easy Task. The first one in Jonah, we said it was no fairy tale. We had last week, it's no fish story, it's more than just a fish. And now we have it's no easy task. And again from Douglas McKelvey, here's what he wrote. Under the Spirit's tutelage, such fears might become messengers of grace. Revealing to you only what was true all along. In yourself, you do not have the strength or the wisdom or the ability to accomplish the task to which you are called. Apart from the Spirit of God breathing life into your incomplete and sin-tainted efforts, apart from the Father blessing and multiplying your inadequate offerings, apart from your Lord meeting you in your stumbling attempts at faithfulness, No good work will come to fruition. No achievement will endure. No lasting benefit will come of your labors. 
And so you must come repeatedly to the end of trust in your own strength that you might avail yourself again and again of His strength. I love what he said. You can't do the task you were called to do on your own. You can't. And we, we're going to see from this chapter in Jonah, it's no easy task from many perspectives, and you'll see it throughout here. And the definition of task, I just want you to know as we go through this, because the takeaways are going to have task in them. There's four of them today we're going to go through. And the definition of task in one dictionary said this, a piece of work to be done or undertaken. In another, defin- in another dictionary, one of the definitions was a task presents a challenge. It has challenges that come with it. And we're going to see in our takeaways, there's challenges to the tasks that I see in this text that we have to do. So we're going to, you heard it aloud, so we're going to dive in here and know what it's no easy task. So here we go. Verses 1 through 3 at the start of verse 3. You see, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh, proclaim to it the message I give you. You know, most English translations, not the NIV, which I was, I hit myself, I was like, oh, come on NIV. Most English translations of the Bible have arise or get up as the first words. Does your translation have those? Arise, get up, or that? Whose has that? Most hands, some of the hands. In most English that I looked on the comparing translations, only the NIV did not start with arise or get up. And I was like, what? And this is, this is fascinating. If you go back to chapter 1, verse 2, the first time, again, it's supposed to say, I think, because most English translations have it, and the Hebrew has it, arise, go to the great city of Nineveh. So the word of the Lord of Jonah was to arise or get up and go to Nineveh. That's the word. And what happened? We already learned about Jonah. What did he do? He did not arise and get up. He went down to Joppa. Did you catch that? He went down to Joppa to get on the boat. He had gone below deck on the ship. He was hurled into the depths of the sea. So what's Jonah doing? He's not arising. What's he doing? He's going down, 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 down. And the command was, Arise, Jonah, and go. But he was going down, down, down. And then we saw last week, remember, Jonah had just been vomited out of the fish because God said, Hey, fish, you can... Vomit him out on dry land now. Go ahead, fish. So Jonah is on the shore. He finds himself on dry land. And he receives this word again. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Proclaim to it the message I give you. Did you catch? If you go back to chapter 1, what did it say? Okay. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Is that the same as the second time? Yes, but look at chapter 1, verse 2. It says, preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. And now look at chapter 3 again. Does it say that? It says, 
Go to the great city, same, right, as chapter 1, the first time. But now the Lord says, proclaim to it the message I give you. So Jonah, I think, doesn't even know what the message is yet. He has to go. I didn't put the map up on the board, but I believe the fish did not vomit Jonah all the way to Nineveh, okay? Because if you look at a map, the Mediterranean Sea is where Jonah got on the boat to go to Tarshish, which they think is in Spain, the most west spot you could go away from that, the land of Joppa and Nineveh in that time that they thought. Now he's in the sea, in the Mediterranean Sea. Who catches him? The fish. Remember, three days, three nights. So this fish had to be uncomfortable. He was swimming around. Okay? So the fish finally gets to dry land, but I don't think he got to dry land where Joppa was and spitted him 500 miles to Nineveh. I don't think that was the case. That would hurt Jonah, don't you think? So I think somehow the fish got to shore and vomited Jonah out onto the dry land. And now Jonah has to do what? Get up and go. He's not going to stay on the shore. So he gets up and goes about 500 miles, they say. That's a long trip, don't you think? I don't know what I would do if I got spit out of a fish and I realized it was a fish. And then Lord says, go to Nineveh again. And now Jonah's like, I've got to walk 500 miles or so to get to Nineveh. I'm thinking he's going to go a long time thinking about what's this message God's going to give me. Okay? So he has time to get to Nineveh. Now, as I'm reading this and studying it, I thought of some verses that help us. That leads up to our first takeaway. Now you see, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Did he get up and go? Yes, he obeyed. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I think it's fitting that we sang that today. Thank you, Cody. (laughs) Jonah obeys and goes. But go with me to Acts chapter 1. This is going to, all these verses are going to lead us to our first takeaway. It's no easy task. One of them. Look what Rome, or Acts chapter 1 verse 8. Now, this is just before, now this is after Jesus' resurrection, before He's going to go ascend into heaven. Look what He says to His disciples. He says this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. I'll start in verse 7. So they ask him, When's the, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? Jesus said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority. Verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be My witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Jesus gives His disciples, He says, You're, When you receive power from the Holy Spirit, go be witnesses. Did they have to wait for that? Yes. When that happens, you're going to be witnesses in all the world. Matthew chapter 28, that's, this is just before this. I should have went the other way, but I didn't. So they heard this before that, right? Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20. This is, again, I think the same time period right before He ascends into heaven. 
Jesus gives this to his disciples. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. I think it should say, Get up and go. <laughs> okay? I just put that in there. So don't go to the Greek language and be like, It's not a. Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. They were given a command, right? Go, make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them everything I have taught you. And then they get to... What we just read in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, right before He ascends, He says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you're going to receive power to be My witness in all the world. And this is what they're supposed to be doing. Going and making disciples. Galatians chapter 1. I know I'm running through Scripture here, but it's, there's a point to it. I think the whole biblical story from Genesis to Revelation, there's a lot of connections. Galatians chapter 1, and this is the Apostle Paul, is recalling what he went through. And this is what Paul writes to the Galatians. Galatians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. Paul writes this, But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb and called me by His grace, was pleased to reveal His Son in me, so that I might preach Him among the Gentiles. My immediate response was not to consult any human being. I did not go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was, but I went into Arabia. Later I returned to Damascus. Then after three years I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Cephas and stayed with him 15 days. Do you know what Paul did? He sees Jesus on the road to Damascus. He doesn't go and consult human people, human, humans to say, what's going on here? He goes into Arabia before he goes to Jerusalem. And what do you think happens in Arabia? I believe he's getting taught by Jesus himself. Saying, Paul, you're going to be a witness for me to all, all the Gentiles. Don't go to human beings yet. I'm going to teach you. I, I believe that's what happens. And then you get to Hebrews chapter 2. You're getting, a, you're getting the biblical story today. Hebrews chapter 2, this is what it says. Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. For since the message spoken through angels was binding, and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore so great a salvation? This salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, was confirmed to us by those who heard Him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to His will. 
Did you catch what it said there? This salvation which was first announced by the Lord. The Lord's message. The word of the Lord, right? And then James chapter 2, or James chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. This is the most convicting one for myself. Because look what James chapter 3, verse 1 and 2 said. I know we went through a whole series of James, and I probably said it then. But James chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, this is what it says. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Did you catch that at the beginning? Not many of you should become teachers, (laughs) because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That hit me the most because what am I? I come up here and teach and preach the Bible. But what does it say? I will be judged more strictly. I have a responsibility to teach the Word. And listen to the first takeaway here. If I get there. Is this on? I didn't turn it on. The first takeaway today The task to hear from the Lord and proclaim a message from Him is no easy task. Jonah got this message from the Lord. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed and went to Nineveh. And about 500 mile journey, he's probably thinking, what's this word that God's going to give me to preach to Nineveh? The task to hear from the Lord and proclaim a message is no easy task. It's not. I know I joke with some of you every Sunday. I hand you my Bible and say, are you going to preach today? And everybody's like, nope, nope, nope. Because it's not an easy task. It's hard. But we have a responsibility to hear from the Lord. And what do we got to proclaim? The gospel. Go, make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. It's not easy. Jonah chapter 3, verse 3, the end of it. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Vesterberg doesn't take that long, okay? You probably could do it in like an hour. No, <laughs> maybe more than that. So it's a three days journey. To go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So that's the message God gives him, okay? 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. In the Hebrew language, it's only five words, okay? But Jonah proclaims this message because he receives it from the Lord. Was it easy for Jonah? No, we just... We just said that right it's not an easy task Jonah's like okay I got to do this remember I probably didn't mention it but Nineveh is part of the Assyrian empire and the Assyrians were probably the most ruthless people there were they destroyed people they took over people they were not friendly okay and Jonah a prophet from God from Israel has to go to this city and 
say, you're going to be overthrown if you don't. In 40 days, you're going to be overthrown. That's a hard message. And remember, if you go back to chapter 1, what was the first word he got? Preach against it because of what? Its wickedness comes before God. And because of that, Jonah, you have to go. Preach against it. Now, this is what I believe and think. I think Jonah said more than that along the way, I think. I want to think so. Because you'll know why when we come to the next part. But this is the task that's not easy. And I've talked to people about this recently, and it's hard to do these things. The task to teach, preach against sin or wickedness is no easy task. Is it easy? It's not. To look at somebody and say, you are doing something wicked. Because they think they're doing something fine. Or, you are a sinner right now. You're going through this sin and I need to call it out. That's a hard task. It's not easy. And Jonah goes to Nineveh and says, 40 days and Nineveh will be overthrown. And he's thinking about the first time he got the word. I've got to preach against the wickedness of this city, this nation. It's hard. It's not an easy task. And we're called to do it, though, I think. To preach against and teach against sin and wickedness. Look around us. Is there a lot of wickedness? Is there a lot of people saying, this is right, but it's wrong? We have to preach and teach against it. And I'm including myself here because it's hard to do it. If you see somebody in sin, it's hard to look at them and say, I see you doing this and I need to call it out in front of your face and tell you straight that you are sinning and you need to repent. It's hard to do that, is it? It's hard to do it with ourselves to repent of our sins. If we know we're doing wrong, it's hard to go to God and say, I need to repent of this. Or go to people that we've heard and say, I need to repent of this sin. It's a hard thing to do. But Jonah did it. And he had to do it because what happened the first time? He wanted to die in the fish. And we'll see next week, he still wants to die. So Jonah has some, I'll say issues, in his own heart that he needs to deal with. And sometimes we need to deal with our own sin. But we also called to speak against sin if we see it. Oh, nope, not yet. Don't look at that yet. Verses 5 through 9. So look at what happens after the message. The Ninevites believed God. Wow. Forty days and you're going to be overthrown. And they believe God. Because I think, I believe this, that they know Jonah's a prophet. They have to. If you read the comic books I handed out, one co- the comic book I handed out, if you read it as a family or a kid, if I gave it to you, in there, they see Jonah walking with like vomit and he's white and he's, they know he's coming from the fish. So they know Jonah's a prophet. And they believe God. A fast was proclaimed. All of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. And then this is the neatest part to me. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the dust. And then he gave the proclamation. So, 
What does it say there? It says, Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh. The word that the Lord gave to Nineveh reached the king of Nineveh, and he said, I have to issue this decree. He got off his throne, the throne of authority in that time. Like he's the king of Assyria or Nineveh. He gets off his throne, takes off his royal robe. So he's saying, I'm no longer the king right now. I'm just like everybody else. I'm going to put on sackcloth and sit down in the dust, just like everybody else is doing. And then he issues a decree. And look what he says. Don't let people or animals, herds, flocks, taste anything. So the whole city is being, going into a fast, even the animals. Who owns animals here? Are you going to go a certain period of time without giving your animals food or water? I'm guessing you're going to say no. But this king says, everybody and every animal, we're not going to give any food. Don't taste anything. And let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may relent with compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. I want you to catch the first point that when Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, this is the word of the Lord came to the king of Nineveh. He heard this. And I wrote this down, and you're going to hopefully agree with this. The word of the Lord is powerful. It's powerful. And if you can quote this, I, I know I can quote it, but I'll miss a word or two. But Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it says this, For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Did it pierce the king of Nineveh's heart? Oh, you betcha. Not Jonah's words, but the word of the Lord that came to Jonah, that reached the king of Nineveh, pierced the king's heart and said, I've got to get off my throne. I've got to take my royal robe off. I've got to put on sackcloth, the most uncomfortable thing you can put on, and sit down in the dust just like everybody else. The word of the Lord is powerful. James chapter 1, verse 21. Again, we've heard this last year, but look what it says. Get rid of all filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly, no, is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. The word of the Lord the powerful message of the gospel, I believe, can save you. And we know that Jesus Christ is what? The Word became flesh, dwelt among us. And what did He do? We just learned it. He shed His blood for us. So the Word implanted in us is able to save. I mentioned this when I spoke at 7th uh, through ninth grade camp. And you know when you read Scripture, you miss verses, but look what it says, Acts chapter 3, verse 19. And remember, the king of Nineveh hears this message, the word of the Lord's message, and he gets off his throne. That's an act of repentance, right? Putting on sackcloth and sitting in the dust. That's an act of repentance, turning your ways. And look at this verse. Acts 
Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Repent and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. And I love this, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. And when I read that verse, every time I read it now, if you want refreshing from the Lord, what do you need to do? Repent. And this king of Nineveh gets off his throne and says, I've got to do this. I've got to repent and call other people to do it. Hebrews chapter 13. Are you following me here? I'm, I know I'm going fast. I feel like I'm going fast, but am I all right? Are you all right? All right, just checking in, okay? I learned that sometimes you've got to check in with people to know if they're on the same page, Okay. I need to do it more often. Hebrews 13, verse 7 and 8 says this. And who, what's, if you say, remember the king of Nineveh, what is he? He's the leader, right? Of the city, of the nation, or whoever he's in charge of. He has authority. And Hebrews chapter 13 says this. Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the Ninevites believed God. It reached the king of Nineveh's ears. And he said, I have to get off my throne. I have to put on the sackcloth and sit down in ashes. And then I'm going to issue this decree. Don't let anybody or anything, any animal, any person taste anything. But let the people be covered with sackcloth. And then look at these two Things he writes in his decree. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. So does he give two things to do to the people? He says, hey people, we need to call on God. Let us all do that urgently. And then also, let us give up our evil ways and turn from them and our violence. We need to give that up. These are two things that they need to do as a city, as a, as a group of people. And the king is issuing this. But then he says something that I think is a key point in the, in the, in the decree. Verse 9, he says, who knows? Who knows? God may relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Who knows? You remember from chapter 1? What did the captain of the sailor say to Jonah? He gets Jonah up and he says, Call on your God. Maybe He will take notice of us so that we will not perish. The sailors tell that to Jonah. Maybe your God will take notice of us and we won't perish. Is the king of Nineveh doing the same thing here? He says, who knows everybody in this, who I, who's hearing this decree? Who knows? This God may relent from what's going to happen to us and have compassion on us. Who knows? So take away number three, which is the hardest, I think, for myself. The task of waiting on the Lord's will to be done is no easy task. And I'm going from the king of Nineveh's perspective here because he says, who knows? God may relent, everybody, and turn from his fierce anger so we won't perish or be destroyed. 
And he's going to have to wait, right? He's going to have to wait because what did Jonah say? How many days? Forty. And you'll be overthrown. So the king of Nineveh is like, who knows? This may be true. If, we're, if we repent of our ways, if we turn to God, who knows? He may have compassion on us. But this is the hardest one for myself. If we're praying for the Lord's will to be done and it's not happening, what do we get? We get discouraged. We're saying, I've prayed for this. I've, I've done what you wanted me to do for so long, but nothing's happening. What? what I think you you should do, God. That's how we think. But it's hard to wait on the Lord's will to be done. It's not an easy task. And Jonah, or the king of Nineveh, I I went from his perspective, because he says, who knows? It could happen, everybody. And then verse 10, what happens? When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, He relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. And I said I'm going to be quoting this verse maybe a lot, but 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9, Peter says this, The Lord is not slow in keeping His promise, as some understand slowness, Instead, He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Who knows? God may relent and have compassion on us. And what did God do? He relented, had compassion on the Ninevites, and did not destroy them. Because they what? Repented. They turned from their evil ways. Going back to Acts chapter 3, verse 19, what comes when repentance happens? Refreshing. Refreshment comes from the Lord. So take away number four. This is not an easy task for me either. The task of understanding how God works is no easy task. Are we going to understand how God works completely? No, you see it here. Jonah, a prophet from God, right? A prophet of the Lord gets a word of the Lord and Jonah says, hey, 40 days and you're going to be overthrown. What's Jonah thinking? Nineveh is going to be destroyed. But it wasn't. We're going to see next week. He's mad. But the task of understanding how God works is no easy task. You know, we want God work one way and He works another way. And we're like, what did you do that for? I wanted you to do it this way. But it's no easy task. And you look at these four takeaways. A task of hearing from the Lord and proclaiming a message from Him is no easy task. The task to teach and preach against sin and wickedness is no easy task. The task of waiting on the Lord's will to be done is not an easy task. And the task of understanding how God works is no easy task. Those are the four takeaways for today from this passage. And listen to this. Godly, this is from Paul again in 2 Corinthians, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. 
Today, everybody say today. What day is it? Today. Today. Today, hear the word of the Lord. Repent of your sins. Turn from your evil ways. Just like the Ninevites did. Turn from their evil ways. Turn to God. Believe the good news about who? Jesus. And confess and say, Jesus, you are the Messiah, the Son of God. Then you're baptized for the forgiveness of your sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what did Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to be what? Witnesses. You are dead to sin, alive in Christ. You're buried with Christ just like Jesus was buried and were raised to a new life. That's a decision you can make. And if you've done those things, if you repented, believe in Jesus, you were baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, and you have the gift of the Holy Spirit now, you can join the Ferris family. If you need a local body of believers, we're happy to have you and willing to serve with you and work with you to further God's kingdom. And then there's also time and space for prayer. I'll be up here when the song's singing. But I want to end with this today because I was thinking. It's no easy task. And listen to what Jesus Himself said. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. Those who find it are few. The way is easy that leads to destruction. But the way that leads to life is no easy task. So let's remember that today. It's hard. But who do we have that's watching over us and on our side? The God who made heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land, just like in Jonah's day. So let's pray today as we come and sing our last song. God, we thank you so much for who you are, for the amazing love that you sent your son to die for the sins of the world. It's not an easy task, though. Help us to learn from Jonah and the story of Jonah and live life with you and to follow you and to follow your leading wherever we go. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.